Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We're going to see this morning like us, the disciples are still this amazing work in progress. Here they're trying to figure out about fame and honor and status and power and rank among the 12. What is that a picture of? What they were doing is a picture of something simple. It's called pride. It simply means self-importance and self-focus. Pride is actually self-worship. Do you know how we got to be all prideful people? By the way, there isn't anybody here that isn't prideful. We're all prideful. That's a sin nature. That's our old sin nature. Pride. The world tells us to be proud of who we are, what we do, where we live, and on and on. The Bible says that God resists the proud. It doesn't seem to be a hard choice on how we should live as Christ followers. But as Pastor Mark will be sharing, even the dudes that walk with Jesus every day battled self-importance. In the scripture passages Pastor Mark will be teaching from, we'll see Jesus address this issue head on with his friends and interns. We know that they won't really get it until after Jesus' resurrection, but the lessons Jesus tried to teach them are here for us to hear and hopefully absorb. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he begins his message, Would have, could have, should have, didn't. Sometimes we forget how blessed we are. Thank you for not being gripey and complaining and all that stuff. You're great people. We change a lot of things. I want you to listen this morning to Luke chapter 9 is where you can turn in your Bibles. I want you to listen this morning to this a small passage from Luke chapter 9. I want you to listen to this, see how much you get from it. Here you go. Глава 9. Созвав же 12, дал им силу и власть над всеми бесами и врачевать от болезней, и послал их проповедовать царствие Божие и исцелять больных. И сказал: I say Pastor Mark, you lost your mind. I did that for a reason. That's what you're going to hear today. That study, that's the words. Do you know this morning, in our world, two billion people do not have a Bible in their heart language. They're not going to be able to do what you're going to do here without no technology. They have no Bible. They can read in their language. Are we blessed? Or are we blessed? You see, sometimes, Pastor Margaret, you're not on the screen. You have a Bible. In your language. Hello, you can hear me. Although sometimes I say funny things, you can hear me and you can understand me. What a blessing. Amen. So we are blessed this morning to have this word of God living in our own language. Really, this is kind of like 
me when I go overseas a lot. Pastor Davey mentioned that Wednesday night, because next Wednesday night, same thing, nothing, and then eventually we're all back to normal. But when we go, we don't have any of this, but we always have God and his presence. It doesn't really matter. Now, how many remember a book called Dress for Success? Anybody remember that book? Yeah, it was the infamous red tie, baby. This is my power tie. How many, be honest, how many when you had a big meeting, you wore that red power tie? Let me see the guy's hands. <laughs> exactly. Women, I think you wore the whole red dress. I don't know what you did, but you see, that's the way our world is. The world says, if you want to be great, wear your power tie. Show them who's the greatest. Jesus is going to talk about that today. Because his disciples get off track. In our world system, greatness is measured by position, power, rank, wealth, status. What's your title? What's your intelligence? But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not like that at all. We begin Luke 9, 46. I won't speak Russian. I'll just put it in English for you. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Now, that's very interesting because we learned last week, Jesus reminded his disciples that he was going to the cross. But the disciples didn't understand that. Think about this. Jesus just says, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to the cross. And what's the next thing we happen? There's an argument about the disciples going, oh, that's cool. You're going to the cross. Um, Which one of us is the greatest? I mean, at that time, are you kidding me? And so we're going to see this morning, like us, the disciples are still this amazing work in progress. Here they're trying to figure out about fame and honor and status and power and rank among the twelve. What is that a picture of? What they were doing is a picture of something simple. It's called pride. It simply means self-importance and self-focus. Pride is actually self-worship. Do you know how we got to be all prideful people? By the way, there isn't anybody here that isn't prideful. We're all prideful. That's a sin nature. That's our old sin nature. We want to be identified. You, You know why that happened? Satan got cast out of heaven. Why? Pride. He wanted to be like God. He said, I want to be the greatest. (laughs) Done. From that came our old sin nature. See, God hates pride because of this. It magnifies me and minimizes God. That's why he hates it. And the Bible says this, after pride comes a fall. We've all been there. We're prideful people. So when we see What happens this morning, don't think this doesn't apply to you because it applies to all of us. Paul actually wrote this. Let me read it to you, 1 Corinthians. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is a gift from God, why would you boast about it? In other words, how foolish for you and I to be prideful, thinking we're better than others When everything you have and everything I am is a gift from God. You see, there's nobody here 
better than anybody else. So I want you to just turn, get your, everybody get your finger ready. Get your, you like to do this to people, I know it. Just, just point to that person right next to you and say, you're no better than me and I'm no better than you. Go ahead, come on now. <clears throat> exactly. Some of you wives have been waiting to do that for a long time. So what is Jesus going to do? What is he going to do to correct his disciples? Look at the first few words of verse 47. Jesus, knowing their thoughts. You know, Jesus knows all of our thoughts, always. He knows some of your thoughts this morning. When I came out to the cafetorium in the commons and I yelled at the people lovingly, when you're finished, come on in. And many of you have come in this morning. I know what you've been thinking. It was better out there not even hearing this guy. (laughs) Cut it out. God knows what you're thinking. No, I'm just joking. By the way, welcome, because some of you have never been in the sanctuary. Praise God. I told somebody this morning in the first service, he said, no, 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 no. I've been there twice before over the last seven years. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. No, we don't mind you being out there. We're all family. There's nobody. You're not. I'm not better in here because you're out there. Cut it out. Now, what is Jesus going to do with this? Well, we're going to see three things this morning. He's going to point out to his disciples three character flaws. You remember, as we follow Jesus, we're supposed to become like him in character. And so these character flaws, basically character simply is this, the attributes that make up who you are, that distinguish you. So Jesus knew that their thoughts were wrong, as we think we become. And remember, Jesus said to his disciples, and they heard him say this so many times, if you want to follow me. You have to deny yourself and follow me and make God number one. Well, what were they doing? Here's the first character flaw. They were not denying themselves. They were actually what? Promoting themselves. So Jesus is going to have to address it. Look at verse 47, an amazing verbal and absolute graphic picture. Look at Jesus knowing their thoughts took a little child and had him or her stand beside him. I'm going to have a child come up this morning. Good morning. Come on, right up here. And what's your name? Janessa. Come on, right up here. Let's welcome Janessa this morning. Come on, come on. How old are you? Six. You're six. Fantastic. You say, Pastor Mark, why did you do this? Well, number one, to make sure you're still awake. And number two, because Janessa is beautiful this morning, isn't she? Now, what did Jesus do? He did this. He stood next to the little child. What do you think is going through the hearts of the disciples? They know this. A lesson is coming. And you know the lesson's coming. And Janessa is the one that's going to teach us. Now, watch what happens as she sits there this morning. Jesus brings a child, like Janessa, who has no status, no worth, 
She doesn't own a job. She isn't working. She doesn't have a 401k. She, she has no degrees. She doesn't have a power tie. She's a child. In those days, the child didn't have much worth. I'm not talking about the person, but they were what? Be quiet and just obey your parents. So Jesus is going to use this child to give us three character traits that you and I should have. First one to write down this morning, dependence. If I'm not prideful, then I'm going to have a character of dependence on God. See, children are naturally dependent on their earthly parents for food and protection and love. Did mom and dad feed you this morning? What did you have for breakfast? Pancakes. Wow. Did you make them or mom make them? Mom made them. Good. So, I mean, at six, maybe not going to make a souffle or whatever, but mom took care of her. Do you understand this morning as an adult, we're dependent on God for our food? What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us today our... Pastor Mark, I... I make $150,000 a year. He don't have to cook me breakfast. How'd you get that job? Well, my brilliance. No, if God wanted to take that job away and make you on the food line, could that happen in a heartbeat? Say yes. Oh, no, I got all this money. Where? And then if it goes like that, then what? See, you and I are dependent. That's the way we were designed. You, You can't do this without God. I'm not only dependent for the things of this world. I'm what? I'm dependent for my salvation. How are you going to get to heaven? On your good works? You're not making it. So he brings somebody that has no status. And he says to them, why are you prideful? Trying to talk about you're the greatest. Here's somebody that has no status. You need to become like her. Number two character trait is trust or faith. Maybe as a young child, you kind of remember this when your child came to you. A a child would jump and say, Daddy, Mommy, get your hands ready. I'm going to jump and open arms. Why would they jump into a mom or dad's hands and arms? Because they what? They trusted them. You trust Jesus with your life this morning? See, to do that, you have to what? Follow him. I'm so glad that we have a personal God, aren't you? And as you look at little Janessa into the arms of God, she's being taken care of by God and her parents right now. We're all God's children. Did you know that? And that's a beautiful picture. So number one character trait, dependence on God. Number two character trait, trust, faith. And that trust and faith leads to an attitude of one more. Write it down. Humility. 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 You see, when Jesus sees this, look what he says in verse 48. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is the least among you, Janessa, who is the greatest. Jesus used this child to help his self-centered disciples get the point. She is dependent, trusting without status, and humble. 
What was Jesus saying? If you want to be great like this child, you have to deny yourself and serve others, all others, with humility. Wow. Sometimes we got it wrong, don't we? Simple dependence on God, simple trust on God, and humble. Who is our role model of humility? Jesus came and made no reputation of himself. Yes, but I'm the senior pastor, or whatever title you'd like to use. Of course I am. Am I going to promote that? Then I'm in trouble. Remember what you did this morning. Nobody's better than anybody else. There's only one worth worship. Can I hear an amen? amen. No one else. How about a hand for Janessa this morning? God bless you so much. Thank you. Careful. Awesome. Amen. I was crying when I remember my daughter that old. Now she's 40-something. Lord, help me. Okay. <laughs> Time goes fast, doesn't it? Amazing. Make memories. Seriously. Make memories. No extra for that. Just threw that in. <laughs> How are you guys in the balcony? Doing all right? Can, can you see anybody? I'll shake my head if you can see me. Next week, I'm 7-Eleven on the screen, baby. You can see me. Welcome. Now look at verse 49. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he's not from Calvary Chapel. <clears throat> <laughs> No, that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, they said this, we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. What's the character flaw we see? Jealousy, competitiveness, and exclusivity. The disciples were jealous of another man, which wasn't part of the 12, but he cast a demon out of a man in the name of Jesus. And they're jealous of that. Now think of what's happened. Peter, James, and John came down with Jesus, and they came down to, in the valley, and there was a, the other nine disciples. And a man had come with a demon-possessed son, and they tried to cast the demon out, remember? And they couldn't. Here's somebody that's not part of them, but he cast the demon out. What's happening in their heart? Jealousy competitiveness, exclusivity. Amazing to me, they were more concerned for their own reputation than the person who was delivered from a demon. See, we can be this so easily, this competitive, jealous. And Jesus is going to give us, well, it's kind of a loving correction this morning. What does Jesus say in verse 50? Look at this. Huge key for you. Do not stop him. Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. What's Jesus saying? Say, hey, guys, we're all in this together. We're fighting Satan. And if he's not against us and he's casting the demon out of my name, he's for us. He's part of our team. As this comes, 
Let me show you how that works. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that doesn't have any application for us. Oh, it has huge application. When you look at the church as a whole, worldwide church of God, use a capital C. When I was in India a few months ago, and I spoke at that church of 44,000 people, born-again believers, fantastic, spirit-filled, it was amazing. They're a different denomination. Are they part of the big church of Jesus Christ? Well, of course. So what about down the streets around us and our campus here? The Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the church of Christ, the whatever, the churches all over, the Pentecostal church down somewhere down south, all over the place. If they're serving Jesus, if people's lives are being changed, if the Bible's being taught, are they part of the kingdom of God? Okay, so why would we be jealous and competitive from them? Now understand, God made us different. Sometimes, even the disciples, all the disciples were different in personalities. And we have people who like a church that's more liturgical, more structure, more ritual. They want it quiet. And God allowed churches to have that kind of temperament. Other people... They're higher energy. They have lots of emotion. They love loud music. They don't like sitting down. They like standing up. Amen, 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 amen. Organs playing in the background, all kind of stuff. Don't make fun. Those people, by the way, you go to South America, you go to Cuba, they love that. that they're, they're dancing while you're singing, maybe. It's not weird. It's just different for us. So what is Jesus saying about this? The guy isn't really part of us as far as the disciples. But he's part of us because he's really for us. He's for God. So God has those different churches. Why would we be jealous of them? You're here because this kind of style fits you okay. We're a little of both, aren't we? We don't allow you to get up and run around all over the place, whatever, during worship. Not too much screaming. I don't mind the name, because sometimes I have to pull it out of you. But other than that, how about worship here? We get into the worship some, don't we? That's good. Praise night, do we get into the worship? We really get into the worship. And yet we have a what? Just like now, we have a quiet. We have time to think. So that's just who we are. So people will either come here, go to other churches. So you can't get that way. Now, Jesus, listen, they're very important. Jesus is not saying to his disciples that you accept anyone who claims to be working for Jesus, but they deny the essentials of the Christian faith. There's a lot of churches. We have a massive number of churches that are great, but there's a lot of churches out there that claim they're for Jesus. They're not for Jesus at all. So, of course, let's go through what does it mean to be essential? The essentials of the faith are like, we put them in here. I just use this. It's not my illustration, but it's a great illustration. You put the essentials of what it means to be a Christian church. You put it in there, and you do this. You close it. You can't change any of those. Firm, finished, done. Now, other things we can disagree on, and it doesn't really matter. Let me give you some ideas. End time events, the book of Revelation. It's encouraging to know that even the guys closest to Jesus struggled with the same issues of pride that challenge us today. Like Pastor Mark taught, Jesus has given us the way to put pride aside and live our lives in humility. May God grant us the grace to learn to serve others first and to see beyond our own dreams and agendas to the higher goal of seeing the kingdom of God established on earth. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue in this passage in Luke 9. We'll hear about another episode of the disciples not getting Jesus' message about pride and exclusivity. We should remember what Jesus said, that he who is not against us is for us. May God help us to remember that the church universal is so much more and includes so much more than what we see in front of us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.